This week on Casa de Confidence, my friend from NoBS, Tina Cockle. She is a trauma therapist specializing in EMDR, and I'm going to tell you what it is during our intro with Dan. She is also running the Green Circle Collective and the author of the newly released book, The Perfectionism Journal. I can't wait to talk to Dan about this. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for women and some cool dudes going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins. And your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a missionary, and risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are supporter of people and their dreams. If you're someone who Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Casa de Confidence with me, Dan, and Julie. Hello, hashtag handsome hot husband. Really? <laughs> you Every were sporting week. your shirt that yesterday. Uh, it was fantastic. Yes, I was wearing my shirt. Yes, yes, yes. Mm, it's so cute. Mm-hmm. You look very handsome in it. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you very much. Our, I appreciate our that. friend Erica is going to get one for her brother. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So she and should. She should. Everyone should. Everyone should. But uh, uh, listen, by the way, um, you you did something fantastic that I am so grateful for, Daniel. What I do? You cleaned up my computer. Yeah, you had no room mm. on your computer. <laughs> but I realized I was very proud in the end. What were you very proud in the end? Well, I thought you had a one terabyte hard drive. Mm-hmm. But it turns out you only have a five, uh, half a terabyte hard drive. And for those of us and in who two don't years, get it. And in two years, you mm-hmm. didn't fill it up. Okay. All right. So uh, the reason. Well, was, you did fill it up after two years. Yes, but the reason but it was But I thought full, it was a lot bigger than it was. It was a lot smaller than we thought it was. Mm-hmm. Which means that I am not just randomly saving stuff. But we had a lot of videos in there. Yep. A lot of so, Zooms. A lot of Zooms. Um, and yeah, so we, we kind of moved that. But by the way, mm-hmm. um, it is going to be sunny outside. And it was sunny. It's been a beautiful week in Connecticut. Maybe I'll take a nap in the hammock. What hammock? The imaginary one we have? The neighbor has a hammock. Oh, I you think can I see can it get from away here? with it. I think they're out of town. They got a pool too. Yeah, well. Hmm. We're surrounded by pools, actually. Yeah, we're the only poor people in the neighborhood pool. Really? <laughs> it's poor Julie. Dan won't let her have a pool. <laughs> that's Julie's That's Julie's idea of, of being poor. Poor Julie doesn't get her way. <laughs> <laughs> so mean to me. She keeps asking to get a pool. I'm like, there's so much... Dan says not in this lifetime in this house. Hmm. Not this house. Not Maybe this house. Maybe we'll have to purchase a house that has a pool. So, But I, in New England, pools are different than like what she grew up with because most pools in Connecticut are like above ground. Most people get that type of pool. No, there's a lot of people that I know that have in-ground pools. I know, but it's more common to have an above-ground pool in, in, in 
this area. I would just like to have somewhere where I can float. But I guess I, hmm. you know, I could go to floating therapy. The spa that Eric and I go to now has a mm. floating chamber that you can go to. Floating chamber? Yeah. I was thinking maybe in the winter. Oh, I wanted to try that. Is yeah. It, it's a, it's a um, sensory deprivation it's chamber? It's a sensory deprivation oh, chamber. Cool. Maybe we should go on a date there. I know. I hear, I hear in a sensory deprivation chamber. <laughs> oh, my God, Dan. <laughs> this is not that kind of show oh i'm going to bleep that one <laughs> oh that one God. will be beat that well, one how did you I, come up with actually, that actually everyone has no. heard the bleep because of no. adding a bleep not necessary. i'm not going to remove it I'm i just want to i just want to say if you get kicked out of my spa i'm gonna be mad but that's not what i'm going there for <laughs> i would get kicked out oh my gosh anyway never oh, mind my god god bless uh, america it'll be a mystery as to what i said I'm sure people are smart enough to figure out it was not appropriate. Anyhow. This is a family show. It is. Yeah. Well. That's why I'm, I bleeped it. By bleeped. the way. Yes. I think we need to be a little more risky in our life. Risque or risky? Both. <laughs> and and by the way, yes. I was thinking about this. Okay. Because I did a TikTok about this and I was talking about perfectionism. Yes. And do you think I am a perfectionist or do you feel that I am a recovering perfectionist? And who are you in this spectrum? I think you're a recovering perfectionist. I mean, I, I, in the, in, okay. For myself, mm -hmm. sometimes I start out as, you know, putting a little fine point on things. But I know when to dump it. And as far as stuff like, you know, stuff in general, it's like I'm trying to be part like when I redid the ducks in the house. The ducks? The ducks. The ducks. duct work the duct. downstairs. When I pulled it mm. all out, cleaned it all out, put it back up. Yeah, that was a shit show. And um, I straightened it and I kind of put things a little more uh, strategically and made sense down in the basement. Mm -hmm. But in the end, there were things that I wanted to do that I, in the end, I'm like, okay, I'm just trying, I'm being, this does not have to happen like this because it's going to get covered with insulation, you know? So mm -hmm. as far as being a perfectionist, sometimes <clears throat> I can fall down that rabbit hole though. Mm-hmm. Um, but you like my perfectionist rabbit hole when I'm working on stuff like your website, other people's websites, or the podcast. Yes, I do like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think, how did we get to talk about you? I was talking about me, and now we're talking about you. We're not talking about your narcissism. We're <gasps> talking about your perfectionism. Wow. <laughs> And you, you do a, love me, right? You asked about me. Because now you're talking to me being a narcissist? you got to yeah, be talking, kidding me. I'm talking your love language. <laughs> Happy Monday, people. Yeah. I think there's not enough coffee for me this morning. Oh, um, shoot. Okay. I, I think you're a recovering, a re, a recovering perfectionist. The, I think the, you desire to be perfect in the things you do, and that cause you, caused you a lot of pain and stress 
in your mm-hmm. life. And it still does to an extent when you can't achieve the perfection. But I think now you have learned to let that go and let good enough be good enough in some cases. In some cases. I have yes. to say, I made a post yesterday on Facebook about this. I'm not a perfectionist, but I made mm-hmm. a, a Facebook post about um, the Camino de Santiago and how when I first went on my first Camino, I was very intent on the destinations and getting there and in mm. in the process of arriving and I think that this happens a lot in life in which we are, and this is, you know, and I think Tina talks about this in her journal, in her book, that, and, and she writes actually, as a perfectionist, you're probably focused on the end result, but this journal is about the process, not the product. Right. And taking time to investigate yourself with the journal is a different kind of outcome. I think that, you know, for me, I, I now realize that it's not about the achievement, it's about the process of getting there because it is the journey that makes you better, not having accomplished the whatever thing is, right? Right. And I think that that's what I'm working at. But I will say, I still want to focus on... You know, the, the so for instance, and, and I think that we talked about this a little bit yesterday, random conversation we were having about when you say your house should be like, when you tell people, oh my God, my house is a mess and your house kind of is like immaculate. Um, but for me, when I say that in my house, ha- and people are like, oh no, this is fine. What do you mean? And But part of me is like, in my standards, my house is not where it should be. Right. And I think that that is one of the things that I really struggle, that I really do have this high bar for myself in multiple places in my life. And when I don't meet it, I try to, you know, first of all, I the, one of the, my biggest go-to feelings is shame. And I feel ashamed that I'm not XYZ or my house is not perfect or immaculate. And it really stresses me the F out. I have to beep you? I said I beeped myself. Okay. I said F. I didn't say the word. Okay. But do you get that? Yeah. And I think that for me, the other thing, and and I think that this is the one thing navigating in our marriage, and I think that for all of us, we have to remember that no matter what, you know, BS we're dealing with, oh my God, I'm a lot of, uh, uh, you know, letter things here, but whatever we're dealing with, right? Um, we have our own little process that we're trying to get better at. However, we have to remember that we can't put that on the people around us that we love. Because for me, my perfectionism and my my you know desire to have the house be a certain way or things go a certain route, and then when they don't, I can't control you or how you do it or when you do it. And that's when I get in trouble. Not only am Mm. I dealing with my own stuff, but now I am adding myself the stress of having this expectation of you. And ultimately, you're not a refrigerator. I I cannot have a manual for how I want things done. I'm taller than a refrigerator. (laughs) Yeah, especially our refrigerator. (laughs) I'm wider than... (laughs) Dan, don't be mean to yourself. I am. I got really broad shoulders. Take that back. 
I didn't say I was heavier than a refrigerator, but I probably am. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I, I have I'm to as stop wide you. as our refrigerator. No, you are not. I'm six foot six. I've got a seventy uh I've got a six foot six I've got a six foot seven wingspan. Now he's adding himself an inch here. A wingspan. Tip fingertip to fingertip if I shut my I'm a wide I'm a I I didn't say it was a big Chunkalunk. <laughs> I said I'm as wide and taller than our refrigerator. Okay, I, I this whole wingspan. You mean to tell me that it's a, I am wider your wings. Like when you stretch yep. out your arms, yeah. People, I wish you could see us stretching out your arms. I am. That's how tall you are. Approximately. I'm gonna have to measure that. But I don't some people you. are are their wingspan is. More than their height, and what I am that I am I am that. What kind of science is this? <sighs> it's something they measured. They never did that, and they never did that in high school and stuff like that. No, we did it in gym class once because we're talking about basketball players and really good basketball players, like these tall basketball players. Their actual wingspan is, Listen, is more than their height, gym class, which is crazy. I had to take that in up to tenth grade, and then I was out. I'm like. Mm. I just have to say, what? It's a huge rabbit hole we just opened. <laughs> so, Julie. Yes, Daniel. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. And I am working on my mental health. Yeah. How are mm-hmm. you doing that for yourself? I am working with a coach who is helping me process some um, trauma, which, by the way, in the intro, I said we were going to talk about what EMDR is. And in case people don't know, I did want to say that um, uh, EMDR, it is a form of psychotherapy that, develop, that was developed in the 1980s. And the World Health Organization um, says that EMDR is based on the idea that negative thoughts Feelings and behaviors are a result of unprocessed memories. And this is a good tie back to a little bit of what I've been doing with my coach and some of the things. And she's trained in trauma informed, um, trauma informed stuff. And there are certain memories that in the last couple months since I've been working with her have been kind of stirred up in me that all of a sudden mm. I'll be journaling or doing something and then all of a sudden it's like oh, I'd forgotten about that or, or like oh and again going back to some of the things that are some of my biggest I would say not I don't know what to call them trick pain points of mm. in essence right or, or some of the struggles that I have personally with my perfectionism or my feeling of not you know of shame at times for not accomplishing or doing the thing right or being a certain way really comes from some of that some some of the instances that might have happened and and listen it's not like i i had a childhood that was terrible i didn't i have a very loving childhood but there's things that happen in life that then create um more of you know ingrained behavior in you or or create these thoughts in us um and 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 i would love people to kind of explore this um you know if you find yourself that you're a perfectionist i think a great way to start is to definitely work on 
journaling. And sometimes people are so afraid of journaling because they're like, oh, I don't want to write. I don't know what to say. Use a journal like the one that Tina has because it will allow you to then process some of your feelings and she's guiding you through some prompts that are very good to explore. The other thing too that you can do specifically if you know, you're know you dealing with difficult emotions and all of us have these things. Um, and it's going through my Uh, positive psychology certification right now and all that training that I'm doing. Um, Meditation, boys and girls. Mm. Meditation, it is one of these things that really can help you uh, really reconnect and be aware because we're not really trying to change some of the stuff on our own. We're trying to at least be aware that these thoughts are happening. So when I'm feeling the stress of not being good enough or shame because, you know, my house or my, my let's say my closet is a freaking disaster right now, right? I need to process that and say, oh, I'm telling myself a story that, I'm, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm going on a lot of tangents. Am I mm. boring you here? No, you're good. Okay. So... That's that's what I would like people to explore. You know, ultimately. Oh, you know, you know what yes. people should explore? What? Um, you remember the past episodes we had? The oh, what is the, the meditation Peaceful series? You. Peaceful. If you don't you. know how to meditate, we actually at Casa de Confidence on August of 2020, August 3rd. Um, there's no number to the episodes, but it is after episode 18. You want to go ahead and, and it's a 21 day meditation challenge. If you send me a DM at Julie, uh, Julie DeLuca Collins on all of the platforms, or if you just, you know, uh, go to my website, you can, um, get the book that teaches you or and actually in the show notes for each of the episodes is the book for Peaceful You, but each of the meditations, each of the episodes in this podcast from Peaceful You teach you how to meditate and walk you through the process of becoming aware and incorporating meditation so that you Mm. can be more peaceful you through the process of stress, anxiety, burnout, difficult emotions, or anything that you're going through. And that's something you can do for yourself. Yeah, so feel free to go back to, it was the August 2020 episodes and Go through those 21 episodes or daily episodes yeah. that Julie did. They're only about 10 minutes a piece, give or take. Mm-hmm. And um, they're a nice way to start your day. That's right. Anyway, are you going to miss me next week? Oh, I'm going to miss you so much. Mm. Oh, you know what I'm going to do with all my free time? I'm afraid to ask. I have no idea. He's going to have, oh, so much free time. I know he's going to fill this. Of course, I'm going to fill the free time. Anyway. So, anyway, I'm sure I'll have some tasks, a honey-do list. Please do not let my plants die while I'm gone. I won't let your plants die. Okay. He says this, people, and then we'll have to check in. Oh, and you guys talk about plants in this episode, too, right? Yes, because Tina is all about plants. And you know what she told me? She she told me when I told her about all the plants that I have here inside the house. Mm -hmm. She's like, for someone that is not very good with plants, you actually have the Mm -hmm. hardest plants to take care of. Yeah, because you have a thought in your head that you're bad at it and you're not. No, I'm not. And I actually talk about this on TikTok as well. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so let's hear the conversation. Yeah. Let's uh, get to the conversation with Tina. I'm so grateful that she is an individual that I've been able to meet and, and watch grow. And oh my God, is she 
creating an incredible world around her by supporting those um, that uh, need her support because they've undergone some trauma. But some of the tips and things that we talk about are things that we can all use in our life. So make sure that you tune in and thank you again. And don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. And on to Tina and Julie. Welcome to another episode of the Casa de Confidence podcast. I have with me a special guest who I know in real life, in real life. I love in real life guests because I've gotten to hug this person and see the amazing things that they continue to do in the world. But I'm going to let her tell you who she is. So welcome, my friend, Tina. Introduce yourself to our guest, please. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is my first podcast. It is. Experience. Congratulations. So. I feel so honored. You are on the show. <laughs> the Casa de Confidence is your first one. You never forget your first. Never, never. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy to be led through this with you, Julie. You've been my leader in so many different areas so far. So I'm Aww. happy, happy to thank keep going you. With That's that. so kind of you. Yeah. Um, so my name is Tina Kokel. I am a trauma therapist based out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I love it here. Um, originally born in the Midwest. I tell people that I was raised in the Midwest, but I was born to be a Philadelphian. So I've, I've made it to my my home. And I, um, as a trauma therapist, work primarily with folks who have experienced um, a lot of terrible things in their life, mm. whether it's um, started in childhood and this has something that happened when they were kids or something more recently. I work with a lot of victims of sexual violence and violent mm. crime. I work with a lot of people who um, have a lot of childhood trauma, like abuse or neglect. Um, and I also work with first responders and people who help people who have been through tough stuff, who they mm -hmm. themselves are sort of absorbing a lot of that stress and trauma um, in their jobs. So, yeah. And I recently wrote a book. Um, and I'm really excited. Yeah. I am so proud uh, of you for that. When I saw <laughs> you post that, I thought she did it. I knew she could oh. and would. And I, I just felt the, this amazing emotion of pride because I know you and I know that you've talked about it and here you are, you made it happen. And I know how hard and, you know, the, the work that goes behind that. So congratulations, my dear. Yes. Yes. And it's, I mean, books, as you know, are so interesting because it's not just about you and your idea, but mm -hmm. having, it was really humbling for me to have a whole team behind it mm -hmm. and the the publishing company that I worked with has just been incredible and all of the editors and designers and people that help put it together yeah. and just I'm so grateful and, and feel really happy um to be able to have this out into the world and, so and it's good. um yeah thank you it's it's about um dealing with perfectionism so one of the Ooh. One of the primary things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know everybody. anything about dealing with perfectionism <laughs> at all. That has such a foreign concept to me. No, not really. I'm a, I am a perfectionist at heart and I'm recovering or working on and overcoming that. So I, I can't wait to read it. But I, I love that you said it is a humbling experience because when I try to explain the writing of my book as well to others and talk about like, oh, what was the process like, right? Because people ask you that. 
Humbling is a great word, and I think I'm going to have to borrow that from now on because you're bearing your soul. You are putting yourself out there to your editors and the people that are helping you through the process, and they tell you, nope, nope, write this differently or say this better or add to this or no, too much, all right? And then you have to put your ego aside in some ways because as the content creator, we feel like, well, we know what we're talking about, and which we do, but there's there's a system, right? And there's, we're, we're, especially for first-time book writers, we're learning. We're, we're in the process of that. Yes, the irony of writing a book for perfectionists <laughs> uh, while I was <laughs> dealing with, with edit, the editing process, especially, mm-hmm. and, and getting that right and, and yeah. really you know, writing about how things don't need to be perfect, but then going back and forth, yeah. you know, several times on two or three words that we just couldn't oh. decide on and, and just those small details. And, and yeah, it was, it was a little bit mm-hmm. ironic, but definitely humbling because like you said, it's, it's, it's my ideas that I, I've spent so much time and I've spent so many years being educated and being trained mm-hmm. and doing internships and getting licensed in yeah. my field as a professional and mm-hmm. to then have somebody who is looking at it from the outside, trying to understand it. Right. Um, yeah, it really was, it was hard for me sometimes to remember that um, I, even though I have this wealth of information, I, I may not know how to communicate it as well as I maybe think that I did. And so. Right. And that's, yeah, really. that's what it takes an editor because the editor's making you and your content something that people will understand, right? Because we, we know our stuff. So we think everybody's in our head. And I think that that, that was my issue too. I have to say, and I, you're, you're the first person I think I've said this to, because I don't even think Dan and I have talked about this, but I think through the process of the edits, I gained 20 pounds alone. Wow. Because it really, like, first of all, I was like, whoa, like the first document with all the red lines, I'm like, I'm out. Not for me. (laughs) No, thank you. And it took me a while to go back, but it really triggered in me a lot of different emotions. And I think that, um, you know, speaking to someone who deals with trauma, right, And I've never considered myself someone who is a victim of trauma because I was never sexually abused. I never went through what a lot of people, when we think of trauma, typically go through, right? But I grew up until the age of 11 in a country that was going through war. And having had that instability and 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 really i was protected i was sheltered in a lot of ways but at the same time you can't hide war you can't silence bombs going off or people getting shot in front of your house or your friend's grandmother dying across the street right these are the things and and i think that now um these are some of those things right that tend to come up and the the perfectionism in me comes in a lot of ways because I was expected to be a certain way or, you know, excel. And 
I needed to soothe myself in some ways by by being perfect, right? And or by trying to show good things of me as opposed to uh, the imperfections. So yeah, we can we could probably be here all day talking about that. But it's not about me. This yeah. is about you today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just yeah, to speak to what you were just talking about. So many of the clients that I work with, some of them don't recognize that they've experienced trauma and mm-hmm. the way the, the, the simplest boil down and, and people would fight me on this, but I think the simplest way to sort of explain it is, yeah, there are capital T traumas, big T traumas mm-hmm. like uh, sexual assault or going to war or uh, a car accident or right. something like that. But then there's also um, other traumatic experiences. Like when I was doing my own trauma work, when I was the client, I, there is a memory I had of of my mom. Um, we were shopping at a mall and I was a kid. I was playing with my brother in the coat racks and uh, my mom stepped across the aisle to a different section. And I freaked out because I couldn't, I couldn't find, you know, I, didn't, I thought she abandoned me. I thought she left us at the mall and we were going to be like one of those kids on 2020 or, or <laughs> Dateline or whatever. And And yeah, that like mom disappeared and we don't know what happened to her. And the way that my emotions and my body sort of absorbed that, that momentary fear really impacts how we believe about ourselves. And so mm-hmm. the kind of therapy that I do is called EMDR. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm movement desensitization and reprocessing, and it's about tracing back the emotional and chemical experience. So like our emotions are actually chemical reactions in our bodies. And so it's tracing back, experiences from triggers yeah emotions that we have um in our bodies to to the origins of when did we first feel that because that's where the yeah. healing needs to happen and so growing up in a war zone yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's gonna check a bunch of boxes oh I, I hate i mean if okay disney fireworks is one thing but for the most part if i don't see fireworks and i hear fireworks i hate them like yeah. they're such um Oh, terrible. Like, like even the physicality of it. And I think that this is something that people don't pay attention to, right? People don't pay attention to um, the, how our body reacts to the circumstances and the, the things that we begin to feel. And we immediately go into that protect ourselves mode. And our body is trying to to do that. So super, super interesting. And I think that, yeah. you know, we're recording this um in the very beginning and um, which i'm hoping you know there's a, a quick end to what's going on in the U- ukraine but yeah. i i am grieving for the families and the kids and the people that are being affected by this because it is something that has a long term effect in so many different people and in some ways yeah. that you we can never really even um imagine absolutely absolutely it is yeah, and and the repercussions of it from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. I work with clients um, for things like childhood sexual abuse or mm-hmm. um, neglect or or physical violence in the home, and we ask about their parents and grandparents and great grandparents, and they were right. refugees or they were people that grew up in really dire situations mm-hmm. themselves, and and this it sort of distills. Uh, I yeah, I don't I don't believe yeah. people are. Evil, I think people have just been hurt and don't know how oh, to yeah. deal with it sometimes. 
Absolutely. And I think that, you know, this is the one thing that um, we don't realize how little things or big things like that can affect us, but it ultimately has um, not only an impact on ourselves, but in the people around us and how we relate to others and how we go about living our life. Now, what led you in, in you know, not not to, you know, rush from one thing to the other, but what led you to write your book? Um, I had been working with different clients and I had been working towards my, um, professional license in Mm -hmm. counseling and was noticing, I had done a lot of work in addiction recovery and Mm -hmm. trauma and was just noticing some patterns in the clients that I was working with. And when I decided to open up my private practice, it became really clear to me that, perfectionism was sort of a common thread where people, it was an interesting entry point where people, I could begin to talk about trauma and traumatic experiences without saying, oh, hey, you've been traumatized. Because a lot of people, like you said, like, I don't consider myself traumatized. I grew up as a child in war, but no, that's not trauma at all. We, right, we can unpack so. here. We can we can unpack a lot of my other trauma, and that, that <laughs> you know, as I explore some of these different things, and I think that people need to really um, be open to the idea that this is a great yeah. way to scratch the surface. Yeah. So perfectionism is kind of a a good door to enter into conversations with clients Mm -hmm. about maybe the impact of maybe it's not even their own traumatic experiences, but maybe it was expectations of parents or grandparents or a culture that required perfectionism or required you to be perfect or required you to go into a certain livelihood or a certain Mm -hmm. school or get certain grades or act a certain way. And, and those things can all impact how, uh, at the end of the day, we think about ourselves and we make mm-hmm. decisions about our lives. And sometimes those things don't even feel like decisions. Sometimes they just feel like almost foregone conclusions. And so this mm-hmm. book really allows people to explore. There are actually three different kinds of perfectionism. Um, when you look at the literature on perfectionism, there is self-oriented perfectionism. So I have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. There is um, social-oriented perfection perfectionism. Um, someone told me I needed to be perfect. So I have to meet that expectation. And then there's other oriented perfectionism. Um, I need everything around me to be perfect, including you. And so you have to meet my standards, whether or not I actually say them to you. Interesting. And yeah, so this book really, um, it's designed like a journal. And so Mm -hmm. there are prompts for you to explore and then places for you to yeah, I'm excited for you to get your hands I, on I it. I can't um, wait because this, okay, is it possible, and I'm asking for a friend, is it possible to have all three? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. of course. I thought so. <laughs> it is, hmm. it is. Look at that. If you're going to be a perfectionist, go big or go home, right? But I'm asking for a friend. Excellent. I like this a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and when we break down things like other psychological things like attachment theory or... <laughs> um, you know, relationship communication or, um, how we make friends and build relationships and build community, all of, all of those areas of perfectionism and all of those things are impacted by trauma. And so when we look at those three different kinds of perfectionism, you can maybe have a tendency towards one or the other, but it's more than likely that you have had all three seep into Mm -hmm. how you move through the world. Um, and it can really, negatively impact but unfortunately 
the thing about perfectionism and the culture and society that I grew up in and that a lot of people have grown up in is that it can become a self-perpetuating thing because it's kind mm-hmm. of advantageous to be a perfectionist. You get accolades as a perfectionist, you get Absolutely. advances and you get raises and you get into good colleges and you, you get some of the things that you want mm-hmm. and it, it ends up becoming a perpetuating cycle where you think you have to constantly be achieving in order to have value. Yeah. And I think that this is one of the things that I noticed for myself and many of my clients also um, have to do a lot of the work through, right? Because we want to be perfect when we start our business. We want to have it all together because we come from the mentality that, oh, I have to have this and I have to have that. And sometimes we focus on the wrong things, whereas sometimes is more about getting started and just get moving. It's not about having the perfect uh, logo. It's not about having the perfect website. It's not about knowing 100% how you're going to work with clients. Maybe you do need to know how you're going to collect money, right? or who your client is and what you offer, those are more important. But there's many entrepreneurs and women starting out and and even in the corporate world where you get paralyzed by that perfectionism myth. And we see, um, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so big on this podcast, right? I wanted this podcast to come to life because when I was growing, growing through the corporate ladder, People thought, oh, you got your shit together, but you don't. You don't have your shit together. <laughs> You're just doing it. And, and and if you think that I got to a certain level in corporate because I was perfect, it's not at all. I got there because I learned from a lot of really awful mistakes and that I learned from them and I didn't allow them to beat me down and I didn't allow them to define me. I, I allow them to teach me. And the same thing in my business. The growth in my business has come from the mistakes I've made and some really good planning, but also not allowing myself to be stuck, right? And that, and I think that that's something that we all need to really continue to work on. Well, and to be able to do that, just from what I know about you from our personal relationship, <laughs> I know that you do not define yourself based on what you put out there. You want you want to produce something meaningful and something quality, but that's not who you are at the end of the day. That's not who you, when you look in the mirror, you think Mm -hmm. podcaster. I mean, that's one of the many facets. Oh, for sure. That's, but, but for the, the trap of perfectionism happens the most for people who really can't identify themselves beyond what, what they're doing and what they're producing and how they can, be seen by other people a lot of the times. And and that's when that, that trapping can happen where people mm-hmm. get almost paralyzed by not being perfect and yeah. not being able to move forward because of that fear. And I'm really glad you mentioned like women, especially because how many hats do so many women play? Like oh. it's, there's partners and children mm-hmm. and if they're, you know, working, whether it's self-employed or working in the corporate world like you did, like there are just so many different hats that women especially wear and are required socially to do it without complaining, to do it without needing help or or seeming like they can't ask for help and that they have to do it on their own. And and this perfectionism trap can really uh, grab a hold of people and, and really cause a lot of 
pain and unnecessary suffering in people's lives. I absolutely. And I see this a lot as, um, you know, I don't have children, but I have friends that are my age and contemporaries who have children and, and they fall into that trap. Yes, I do wear a lot of different hats, but um, I have learned to not be defined by the hats that I wear. I have learned to define myself. And, and, and again, it's a work in progress, right? It's like a layer. Just any time that I think that I have it and that I've sort of like gotten to this level and I mastered it, right? It's like a video game. You go to the next level and you, you're going to deal with like um, higher level new devils. And, and that's what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's it's just that's what life is about. But I do have a lot of friends that do define themselves by the hats. And then, for instance, the ones that are having their kids go to college, then all of a sudden that's something that, you know, if their kid didn't get into the college of their choice or their child uh, didn't get the scholarship or whatever, right? Then it, they feel that it's a definition of them. And then when that, when maybe their kids do go away, they also are finding themselves being defined differently, right? Like, what does that mean? Uh, I'm not a mom anymore. Like, I don't have to schlep anybody around anymore. Mm-hmm. So that it's, it's a lot of what I see going on in, in my age group bracket, yeah. you know. Well, and I mean, from from a counseling perspective, I hear you say that, and immediately what came to mind was how poorly we handle grief in our culture, mm. like not getting the scholarship and not getting yeah. into the school, like feeling that empathy for my child that didn't mm-hmm. get that thing that they worked hard to do. Like that's that's grief. Yeah. That's having to let go of of a dream diminished or a dream oh, for sure. deferred mm-hmm. and. It's, it's easier to sometimes turn that inward and say, well, was I a good enough parent than it is to just sit with that negative emotion of like, wow, this really sucks. Yeah. And, and so, so true. You know, I, um, I'm thinking about my friend and client, Lisa Michelle, who is a grief um, coach. And even uh, Seth, also my friend Seth, who's been on the podcast as well, who um, there's so much grief as well that comes into our life that we don't think, because when we think grief, we think death, but there's so many other Mm -hmm. things that are also part of grief that we need to be able to uh, be able to acknowledge that has happened and learn to um, invite them in and and know Mm -hmm. that they're there and then, you know, walk with them and process them and not just push them aside, but be aware that they're there. Yeah. 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 So I I am, you know, so curious about um, what feedback have you been receiving so much so far in in uh, the people that have gotten the book and it's everywhere where books are sold. So you got to make sure that you get your copy. We'll have the links in the pro in in the in in the show notes. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what you're hearing. Yeah, so far, so good. I mean, of course, you know, my um my loved ones have been very generous and and saying that it's been useful. And, and, um, I actually had a cousin who reached out to me. Um, and he, he said, I bought this because I know I needed it. So thank you for writing it. So that was a really lovely thing. um, That's amazing. That's so cool. Um, I I also, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. I, um, yeah, well, I've just had a lot of professional friends who've reached out to me that have suggested it to their clients, and it's already being used sort of for its intended design to get 
people to sort of supplement their already like the self-development and mental health work that they're doing in their own lives, which is exactly what I wanted to happen and to have people be able to use it as a, as an accessory tool for, for work that they're doing. And um, I also know a lot of professional people that maybe didn't identify, like I was saying before, they didn't identify that, that there was trauma, but by being mm-hmm. able to unpack some of these questions, they're maybe realizing like, Oh, there's a there, there. That's what we say in the trauma. There's <laughs> there, there. And so um, they're getting to realize that there's, there's a there, there, and they're maybe wow. needing to do some deeper work than they were anticipating. That's amazing. I And I love that you're making this impact and there's going to be a ripple effect in the universe from the work that you're doing, because although you may not be able to work with individuals, all the individuals that have trauma in different levels, your work is actually with a book is going to impact the people that do the work through the book and then are able to show up differently in their lives. And I think that that's a great ripple effect to have, Tina. And I'm so proud of you for doing Thank that. You. For sure. Thank you. Um, one of the questions that I, I wanted to sort of address is um, something that you love and that I truly, among everything else that you do, because I do admire you for many things, but I admire you for your plant and your green thumb. <laughs> Thank you. How did that start, by the way? <laughs> um, I I remember like one of the uh, one of the first and like most pleasant childhood memories I have was um, my mom planting sunflowers um, in our backyard, mm-hmm. and we also had neighbors that had incredible, beautiful raised beds before raised beds were popular, and. Um, I just, so I just kind of grew up around plants and always kind of enjoyed nature. And then um, it was actually when I was in grad school and I developed a pretty, um, uh, a, I wouldn't say debilitating, but like a pretty significant bout of disordered eating. And mm-hmm. um, I was really, I was doing a dual master's program. So I was pretty much constantly doing work and I was doing my internships and I was learning about trauma and just a little yeah. baby therapist, aspiring baby therapist. And, <laughs> and uh, I was just having a lot of kind of personal problems. I was also trying to figure out how to solve other people or help mm-hmm. people solve their problems. And so I needed an outlet and I needed something that wasn't a book because I just couldn't take on any more yeah. information. And um, just, I don't know. I just got some house plants and just kept going and people would, would give me plants for gifts and I would keep them alive. And it just felt so nice to be able to care for another living thing that, um, I could nurture and tend to, and it mm. really helps alleviate a lot of the stress that I was going through and just started to learn more and experiment more. And I've gone from being a house plant aficionado to I'm now um being trained in the Philadelphia Master Gardening Program so oh my I'm, goodness. I'm learning a lot about gardening yeah and I'm that's so, amazing and I, I, oh well I'm gonna be your biggest uh supporter <laughs> in that endeavor because my journey has been very different as to yours I think I I, I might have mentioned to you I had never been able to keep and this was a story I told myself that I had never never been able to keep a plant alive when I went through my divorce I bought two plants one is behind me, and that's because it's not real. <laughs> and then I bought another one, <clears throat> and it was a cactus at Ikea. And that cactus is still with me. And it's actually, yeah. I just did an experiment that I, I 
I because I needed to. Um, I transplanted it to a bigger pot because it had grown. And that was a big thing for me. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm doing this right. Don't die on me. And, I, and my cactus <laughs> is called petunia. And Aww. every time I buy a plant, I call them victims or petunia two, three, four. So um, <laughs> most of my petunias die except for petunia one, which is still with me. And I last, let me think. A year and a half ago when I started working with my coach, um, he sent me in the mail an avocado seed that he had sprouted. And first of all, I get the dirt first. And I'm like, why is he sending me dirt? <laughs> what is this? Then he sends like the pot. I'm like, okay, I'm like what's in the dirt? He's like, oh, you didn't get the thing yet? I'm like, no, what is it? He's like, oh, wait till you get it. And finally, I get this like poster sort of package, right? But it's like the avocado seed wrapped in paper towel in a Ziploc bag with this stick. Like it was just yep. like a little stick. And I'm like, what do I do with this? He's like, plant it. I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh, okay. So I planted it and for like months, it was just a stick. And then finally you got one leaf and I'm like, oh, this is so good. Okay. And it was sort of like this, um, I, I equated to the, um, the journey I had in my business, right? Like it was just there. I just needed to water it. I just needed to be consistent with the work. And yeah. then all of a sudden one little leaf. And right now we are in a really um, interesting spot because I also transplanted it from the original pot to something bigger because it was getting bigger and it has Lots of leaves now. It was doing really well till I went on vacation, and I am not sure if the people that I stayed at my house overwater it or underwater it. But some of the mm. leaves are a little yellowish, which I'm concerned for my avocado tree. So that's where we are. But um, I don't know. Well, the thing about plants, and this is any plant, well, mostly any plant. I can't say every plant, but we all have seasons mm. and sometimes are we're supposed to have yellow leaves okay. because that means that we're preparing for something new and something greener. Okay. And well, good to know. And okay. now I have, let's see, hold on. I have that thing and I have an aloe plant and I don't know what the heck is wrong with that one. Cause that one is like sort of there, sort of like wilting. <laughs> it's a mess. But I water them, talk to them. Um, I have another thing that Dan gave me for Valentine's Day. He gave me a plant, mm -hmm. and that one's nice and green. And I have a fern. And what else? Oh, and I have, I don't know, like a succulent. So now Julie, I have, you have like the hardest house plants. Like everything really? you just named off are like oh, no, but wait. ones that are notoriously not okay. easy to take Well, care of. I mean, I'm a perfectionist. Are you kidding me? If I'm, I'm going to go in, I'm going to throw. And yeah. avocado. Wait, upstairs, I, I actually got uh, one of those plants that are supposed to be really easy and you can't kill. Um, Like, uh, I can't even like think. Like a snake plant? Yes. Like a snake's okay. tail, a cat's tail, something. Yeah. Okay, so I have two of those, and they're fine. And I, they're yeah. upstairs, and I forget to water them, but they're thriving, and they're not near a window. But the other ones were sitting on a window, south facing, that I water. It's like the ones that I pay attention to. They're like, mm, here we are. 
So you're gonna, you guys are going to have to go into my Instagram when this drops. I'll take pictures of my current petunias. One, two, three, four, <laughs> five. They're 14. I definitely want to see them. <laughs> yeah, so I'll have to. I'll tag you. I'll, I'll, I'll tag you today. I'll do a story on them. So, but yeah, so th- those are my little things. But, I, you know, you were, t- when we were doing the sound check, you were telling me that the plant behind you um, has a story, but now you have to share that with the listeners. Oh, yeah. I have um, a plant that comes from a cutting from my, I th- I'm pretty sure it's my great grandmother. I know it's at least my grandmother, but I'm pretty sure that. It's my great grandmother, and oh I yeah God. I got it from my aunt who has a beautiful cutting, and it, it turned into a beautiful plant. And yeah, it's it's a green marbled pothos, and every mm-hmm. time it gets a little too long, I just root some more of it and throw it in the pot, so it just gets bigger and more lush, wow. and it's just yeah. It's, wow, that sounds it, very complicated. Like you do stuff to it, like. I just buy a new pot and just like, okay, here, we're going to move you now. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, <sighs> it's not complicated. Okay. It's really just, I just cut off a little piece and stick it in some water until I see some new roots Interesting. form. And then I throw it in the dirt next to the other okay. parts of it. So there yeah, you go. Well, not, I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to have to continue to explore this journey. I'm a beginner by no means, you know, nowhere in either an intermediate, but it's been a really um, kind of fun thing to allow myself to care, like you were talking about, right, mm-hmm. for something else. And, you know, I mean, obviously I care for Dan and the dogs, but this is like an additional responsibility. Um, and it's been fun and I, I enjoy it. So I'm going to, yeah. this summer or this spring, as hopefully we're getting into spring, my goodness. Um, yeah. I am going to, I did plant roses outside. Um, and I planted oh, wow. knockout roses, um, which I'm, I'm hoping they survive the winter. We'll see. Because they were actually doing great, but who knows, right? So those, I can't, yeah, send me pictures of those too. I can't wait to okay, see Okay, well, everything. right now there's sticks that are like just on the ground and we put um we put rocks on top of them to try to keep the mm-hmm. dogs away from it but no the dogs especially with the snow because mm. the snow cover the rocks they're like oh let's go pee on those things now so yeah so now what's what's on deck for you now that you're a published author you continue oh, to do some great work um in in your field but i'd love to know what are you thinking? What do you want to do? Yeah, I am very, very close to becoming um, recognized in the international EMDR mm. arena. Um, there is like, yeah, there's an international accreditation body. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting on a couple more hours um, of experience and I have to do a few more um, continuing education trainings to become MDRIA certified. So that's, oh that's on deck professionally. Super um, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a powerful kind of therapy and it is unlike any other kind of therapy. Uh, it's not like talk therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, in my private practice, I do it pretty much exclusively with individual clients. Now I don't take on any other clients unless where they're planning to do trauma work in EMDR. And so it's, it's so powerful and, and really helpful for people. Um, 
Tell us a little I, bit about that because, and, and, yeah. and, and I want to go come back to what else is going in your future and what you're planning, but I think that it would be really good for people to understand the difference between talk therapy and EMDR. Yeah. So talk therapy or like conventional therapy, there's a couple different kinds. There is um, like behavioral based. So mm-hmm. that's going to be like cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. That's going to be like dialectical behavior therapy. And that's really all about sort of aligning your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors. Um, then there's more psychodynamic approaches or humanistic approaches, which is more about building relationships mm-hmm. and attachment and thinking about yourself kind of in a, a more holistic way than sort of the thought feeling behavior mm-hmm. line. Right. Um, all have their positives, negatives, Mm -hmm. different people are going to respond to different things. EMDR therapy or eye movement desensitization and reprocessing is a trauma focused intervention that uses something called bilateral stimulation with your eyes. Um, It can also be any other kind of left or right movement. So one of the ways that when I work virtually with people, we call it the butterfly hug. So if you were to make a little butterfly, wrap your thumbs around Mm -hmm. each other, and then put your hands on your chest. You would tap back and forth, left, right, left, right, Mm. left, right. Um, So that bilateral stimulation or that left, right movement um, opens up the mechanism that your brain uses during REM sleep. So REM sleep is the rapid eye movement sleep, Mm -hmm. and that's the dreaming part of our sleep. Um, It's our brain, our brains, for lack of a better analogy, that's when the garbage men come and take care of the trash. So Mm. you don't need to remember what you had for lunch today. But if you stepped off the corner of 50th and Vine and you almost got hit by a bus, your brain is going to want to remember that information. So it's going to categorize that. Sometimes we get into situations uh, where our brain just doesn't have a category for it. And that's what we would consider something to be traumatic. That's why trauma is subjective as well is because some people may have a category for something that would be traumatic to me, other people might have right. a file folder in their brain that like can, it can be processed in. Mm, super interesting. When, yeah. So when our brain doesn't have a way to sort of process that information, file it into something in a neat kind of compact way, because our brains are really kind of simple computer. I mean, mm-hmm. they're complicated, yeah. but right. like they, they think kind of linearly. And so when we have, um, when we don't have that opportunity to put away the information appropriately, it can get encoded in our brain um, almost like laminated. And so that laminated file gets passed around to different parts of our brain when we get triggered by something. Mm. So like you were saying before, hearing those fireworks and right. not being able to see the fireworks, mm-hmm. like that's a trigger. So if that laminated information piece floats throughout your brain and, and gets on the desks of the different bureaucrats and the prefrontal cortex, right. which is our executive functioning and our midbrain. And then our amygdala, which is the back mm-hmm. of our brain, our emergency department. Yeah. And when it hits that amygdala, that emergency alert system, it causes the chemical reaction. That's why we, our heart palpitates right. or we get sweaty or our mouth gets dry or we start breathing more shallow or we start to get anxious in our bodies um, or our thoughts get rapid or we get tunnel vision, all of mm-hmm. those different kind of physical reactions to a traumatic trigger experience. So EMDR takes that information, takes those laminated pieces, and it allows you to reprocess 
that piece. And the way that we do that as EMDR therapists is we find a memory channel. So we find the original reason. Why is that piece of paper? Why is that information laminated? Mm -hmm. Why did it not get stored properly? And then we find a lot of other pieces within that channel, within kind of that same category that also need to be reprocessed. And then we take that information. We, um, we look for a negative cognition. So Mm I am bad. I'm not worthy. It's I'm not okay. There's something wrong with me. Um, we find a positive cognition. What would I rather think about myself? Yep. And we, um, then find where in the body that lives and we use the bilateral simulation, the left, right, left, right, left, right Mm -hmm. movement to allow those garbage men to come in, delaminate that information and finally process it with the positive mm-hmm. belief that it's supposed to be with. That's so good. And and I think that, you know, it it's such a great process because there are things that, you know, and when you least expect it come up and and you're just like, where did that come from? Right. And and we need to be able to really be able to process that. I love that. This is super interesting. And Um, Thank you for sharing that, because I think that there is such a need, especially now, um, you know, especially after having been through two years in this pandemic. I think that there's a lot of people who are probably, um, you know, undergoing some different, you know, experiences and, you know, they they may you know, get triggered and, and, you know, it's such a Absolutely. overuse word, but it's true. There's that, that is, you know, yeah. there, there is that anchor moment for them that, that causes them to go into something else. I just hit the mic. I'm sorry, people. Sorry. I get excited. <laughs> I talk with my hands. That's what happens. Um, so now we met through the no BS group, uh, through Corinne. Yep. And, um, I, you know, I just have watched your journey and I'm so glad that, you know, the, the group has provided me with the relationships and the amazing individuals who I get to admire from afar and hopefully one once in a while I get to hug. Now, um, when am I seeing you? Are we having some sort of meetup? I need to come to Philly maybe and have a, a Philly cheesesteak. Mm. I love Philly. It's such a fun place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now that the world is opening Dude, up. I love that. Do you have any trips planned at all or what are you up to now? Um, other yeah, than I'm all this actually... other amazing things because you're doing a lot of really cool things. But what else are oh, you doing? Yeah. Um, I'm doing a couple of things in like therapist world. I have Mm -hmm. a couple of retreats with other therapists planned. So, um, I'm going to be going to Costa Rica pretty soon, Mm. um, for a retreat. I'm really excited about that. Um, there's going to be a conference I'm going to in Utah, um, in a couple of months, I think that's coming up in May. Um, and then, yeah, but for me, it's, I'm just really excited to start some seeds and to plant some, vegetables on my back patio on my little container garden to work with my master gardeners and to learn well the master gardener thing is another thing i'm gonna have to pick your brain about because i i don't know i've never been really really good at this (laughs) oh again it's amazing and yeah yeah it's it's such a great experience it's it's pretty much like a civic organization most Mm -hmm. most states have it and it's it's such a delight because i am compared to other people in the program, like such a novice, even though I've, I, you know, have a couple wow. of years of experience with plants, but I'm, I'm learning so much every single time. And, and I really enjoy, and especially with the pandemic, just keeping everybody so separated. It's been mm-hmm. such a delight for my extrovert heart to be able to go and see yeah. other people and get to be outside and I know. Get to talk about plants. So we went to, um, there is a new place 
it's like, it's sort of like, it's in a warehouse. It's not a brewery, but it's sort of like a bar that food trucks come and park and they have an outdoor patio with swings, adult swings that you can sit at a table and kind of hang. And they had music yesterday. And my extrovert heart was soaring <laughs> yesterday because yeah. I just love being around people and, um, you know, just, know. just talking to strangers, my goodness, and seeing people just interact and people watching. So that's so good. I love that you're doing this um, master gardening thing. I, I am another thing that I'm going to have to learn from you. Um, Dan once yeah. upon a time built some um, garden beds for me. And yeah. we planted stuff. But I, at the time, to my defense, I used to travel a lot. I was traveling like three weeks out of the month and I was in Texas. And he couldn't keep up with all the weeding. And I would come back and I'm like, my God, what is going on? <laughs> so we had a lot of tomatoes and we had a lot of something else. But um, I just never replanted them. And then I, I told him, I said, you need to just build something that's like a table that is manageable for me. Like I can plant a couple different things, right? And maybe yeah, build from that's that. perfect. So maybe yeah. that's in my future for this summer. Who knows? <laughs> I love that. One of the last things I'm really excited about um, coming up this summer is there is an organization in Philadelphia called Half Mad Honey, and they do therapy with beekeeping. So Ooh. they have an apiary and they do um, mostly like anxiety treatment. And so I'm going to be collaborating with them being one of their oh. therapists. So they, they're the beekeepers and I'm the therapist, but we'll all put on the suits and the veils and yeah, go help people deal with some anxiety and some okay. emotion regulation. So that is pretty yeah, I'm cool. Be a beekeeping therapist. Well, I um, got bitten by uh, I got stung by a bee for the first time in my life while on vacation, and I will tell you, it was not a very fun experience for me because I actually no <laughs> the wealth just just finally went away. But I've been. I've had this, so uh, I'm like, good thing I wasn't like sensitive to bees, but yeah. anyhow, it was very interesting, but I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, Tina, where can people find you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. Um, my handle is green.circle.collective. That's the name of my private practice. So at green.circle.collective and uh, my website is www.greencirclecollective.com. And um, you can email me if you want at Tina at greencirclecollective.com. And I would love to hear any oh feedback on the book if you go through it. Well, and feedback is thoughts or feedback and lots of five star reviews are going to be very important. I want to <laughs> encourage people to go out and get the book. And I want to peep, I want to encourage people to make sure that, um, you evaluate and you see where you are in the perfectionism spectrum and to, and you know that uh, you can connect with people like Tina to help you um, process. If you want more than just the journal and you want to um, go ahead and, and avail yourself of, of a professional that is uh, one of the experts in their field and is doing some amazing things and impacting this world, make sure that you connect with her and all of the socials. Again, at green.circlecollective.com. Did I put that correct? Green dot. Yeah, so the website dot. is. Yeah, so the website is greencirclecollective.com. 
Got and it. my Instagram is green.circle.collective. Got it. That's so, why I got it yeah. wrong. Okay. Well, we'll get it right in the show notes, but I'm excited <laughs> that you are here. And thank you so much for making the time to visit Casa de Confidence. I am extremely uh, proud of you. Um, and I am cheering you on and make sure that no matter what you, you do, you go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Thanks for visiting. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only Purposeful You Mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all, but the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the Purposeful You Mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business, push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly, Julie's Mastermind.